0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 298 with a review of Edge of Tomorrow. I'm Christopher Schneezy.
1: I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Steven Miller.
0: And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Guys, I think I need to reset.
1: I think, yes, yes. Here, let me pull out my gun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um, But yeah, so this week we are talking about Edge of Tomorrow, based on the book All You Need Is Kill. This is a film that I know I have been super excited to see. What about you guys?
1: I was looking forward to it, for sure. I'm always looking forward to the next uh, Tom Cruise movie.
2: Yeah, for me, I can't can't say. I think if I'd only seen the trailer and the fact that it was Tom Cruise, I would have been iffy, because Oblivion didn't really... Rub me the right way (laughs) and uh
1: (laughs) you mean those droids didn't give you pleasure yeah
2: well well, i mean oblivion was an example of a like big blockbuster-ish movie with his huge you know star presence that just didn't go anywhere like just kind of meandered yeah um Maybe meander is the wrong word. There were explosions and stuff, but it just didn't, like, have a driving narrative.
0: (laughs) Well, it it did kind of meander, because, you know, he was supposed to, you know, patrol certain zones, but sometimes he had to meander out of those zones into these quarantine zones to do some stuff, so...
2: I get... Okay, so he meandered. Yeah, his
0: character was literally (laughs) meandering around the Earth.
2: Yeah, uh, okay. He's like a lost soul. Anyway, if I were to just see the trailer in a vacuum, then... It would have been like a big question mark kind of of, do I care about this? I don't know. I've been burned before. But the moment, like the trailer in combination with a few early reviews coming out, being pretty positive about it made me very excited because the premise is definitely one that if done well would be awesome (laughs) to
0: see. Yeah. And and, am I the only one in this group that has read All You Need Is Kill?
2: I think so. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. And I did. But I've
2: seen Groundhog Day. Yeah, so have <laughs> I. So, so
0: basically you know I'm covered.
2: About. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that scene in uh in Groundhog Day with, with the aliens was pretty pretty <laughs> intense.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um uh,
0: but no, I actually uh oddly enough, I I re listened to the audiobook for All You Need Is Kill just uh Thursday before going to the to the screening. And also that Tuesday had just re-watched Oblivion, so <laughs> i'm I'm totally prepared for this movie
1: so were you were you screaming at yourself like who are you
0: (laughs) no exactly (laughs) that's still every time i see like when i when i got to that part in the movie i was like kind of trying to giggle to myself because (laughs) i I watched it with a group of people and like everybody else would have been like what is wrong with you there's nothing funny about what just happened uh
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: it's it is funny though how like all those lines like stick out from we were just talking uh we were talking before we started recording about a line which has escaped my head now as i'm trying to bring it up as an example oh the the line from uh, devil oh yeah Devil.
1: um
0: but like it, it's just funny how like these different uh these different pieces of dialogue which aren't technically supposed to be that important necessarily like become these defining lines in the back of my head it, they're films. not important
1: yeah. at all. It's just like the way people say them in the, no, but the, the way I, they're it, cut into the trailer. Yeah. Well, well, but this movie also, if I'm not mistaken,
2: one of the most uh, memorable lines of dialogue never makes it into the film. Wh- what right? line is that? Uh, it has to do with... I'm not a soldier. Of
0: course you're not. You're a weapon.
2: True. Doesn't, she says this, and it never happens in the movie. They never even remotely have this conversation. I didn't, I didn't even, I or in fact, about they never that. even have a narrative device that would make that conversation make sense. I don't know. <laughs> yes.
0: no, he. Okay, so I think the problem is that line in the trailer is actually a combination of two lines because there's definitely a point in the movie where he's talking to uh, General What's-His-Face and he says like, uh, he says, I'm, I'm not even a soldier. Like, he he basically he says some sort of line and I think for the trailer they combined those um, uh but so I, I think that the pieces of those lines do happen in the film, but they weren't one sentence
2: eh, I don't know. I was waiting <laughs> I, I was waiting. Was really I never waiting heard her for say it. of course not you're a weapon
1: Well, it was never, like ever, uh, ever. Prince of Persia the Ben Kingsley line that we all love uh, was never in the movie Time mm. would erase everything <laughs> <laughs> That was never in the movie like that pissed me off. I was like that's the best line
0: well, e- either way, for me, Stephen, the the more important line than, uh, of course, not your weapon is...
2: Come find me when you wake up!
0: Because that's, like, yeah. the whole conceit of the film is that one person is aware of what is happening to the other person.
2: Yeah. A very inception-y and very inception And that vibe. was in the film. <laughs> that was
1: definitely in the movie, yeah.
0: Yeah, so one book reader here, uh, and two non. And one fan of Oblivion 2 non, is that safe to say?
2: I liked Oblivion.
0: Okay. just St- Steven uh, was the only one that really hated on Oblivion. I,
2: I I didn't really hate it. I just, like I've said before, I nothinged it. Like, I couldn't remember it, like, two hours later, basically. I mean, I, it was just completely bland to me. I,
1: I see what you're saying. I mean, it definitely is not the strongest film. And I think that in our review of it, uh, Chris and I, we mentioned that yeah, the story wasn't all that, but the visuals and Tom Cruise's performance were holding and, it together. And, and the
0: sound design is yeah, the, awesome the, in that movie. The
1: drones are really cool. Like all the design and the look of it was like, except the script design. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the production value, though, was definitely uh, superior. Yeah, no, it
2: was it was a well-made movie.
1: But yeah. to me, in in my mind, a
2: well-made movie. That is boring. Is like the worst offense because they had so much money and so much production <laughs> capabilities, and then they just falter on the basic parts of it. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: I felt like there was enough to balance it out.
2: I can more forgive a low budget indie flick where it doesn't quite make sense than I can a like massive multi million dollar sensation where the plot doesn't go anywhere.
0: So, so I guess if I if I could uh, boil down Steven's comments into like one tight sentence that will define his thoughts in the film. Basically, the filmmakers and the film writers were not an effective team.
2: Yes. Yes, that is correct. So
0: you call back to the film for anybody who's seen it. Are you an effective team? We are an effective team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I don't. Not memorable enough for me to remember callbacks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's like the whole. No, I know, I know. We are an
2: effective team. When you called it a callback, then I got it.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. When I literally called it back, (laughs) you were able to get the callback. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) before we become less of an effective team, when you say we go ahead and take a listen to the trailer. For edge of tomorrow would it be
2: funny <laughs> sorry, sorry i'm interjecting i was just imagining wouldn't it be great if it was tom cruise and uh uh damn it why Uh-oh. did i just lose her name blank hate this which one i hate this so
1: much Who his uh Is this his oblivion ex- callback again or his wife uh ex-wife nicole kidman katie, Dawson's holmes? Creek. katie holmes Yeah,
2: katie holmes if <laughs> yeah okay this joke is going nowhere. I was imagining him looking at her and saying, "Like we are no longer an effective team." And that's how they got divorced. Oh gosh. But I was about two minutes and twenty stutters too late. So
0: <laughs> we'll just move on. That was that was the point that I should have taken out my pistol and shot you in the head. Yeah, you, just, you, just,
1: you should have shot yourself and then reset. I mean, reset. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, <laughs> now that Stephen is interrupting interrupting me for no reason. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look at the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow and then come back and give you our full review. I'm gonna tell you a story. At first, it's gonna sound ridiculous. But the longer I talk.
1: We have to find the keys.
0: The more rational it's going to appear.
1: I can't believe you found coffee. Sugar, right? Yeah. Ah, Hold on.
0: Three. You like three. How many times have we been here? How many times? for
1: me it's been an eternity
0: this is not the end the invasion will fail we lose everything this is not the end.
2: I die within five minutes
0: of landing on that beach along with every other soldier. Get down! How did you do that? Come on! Come find me when you wake up!
1: You happened to me.
0: You hijacked their power. How do I control it? You have to die every day. Keep coming here, and I'll train you.
2: Again, again. Your leg's broken. No, I'm good.
0: Then you better start over. Oh, come on!
1: I'm not a soldier.
0: Of course you're not. You're a weapon. they want to conquer the rest of the world unless you change the outcome we are not equipped for what's out there how many times have we been here what are you not telling me it's gonna be dark in a few hours We'll curl up by the fire and open a bottle of wine we should just reset whoa Alright, so that was the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow. In this story, we have these really nasty alien thingamajiggers that are just kind of just like laying waste to humans, and, uh, you know, this like really, uh, young and in, uh, almost said ineffective, I got like that, we are not ineffective team stuck in my head, but basically this soldier who is not really a soldier, he's sort of just a guy who goes around promoting war, uh, he gets thrown into this battle, and, uh, let's just say that it doesn't work out too well for him, but whoa, what the hell? Groundhog Day style he is awake again the day before the battle and he has to figure out what is going on and what he can do with this new we'll call it power of his and see if he can help the humans win the war against these aliens who are pretty deadly and pretty nasty so Carson what did you think of this film?
1: Uh well I I'll, uh, I'm gonna make a possibly bold statement by saying uh, I think this is the uh, the summer movie to beat I think that uh, far and away <laughs> no pun intended Tom Cruise reference <laughs> that this is um this is the best summer movie uh for my money like I I I, th- I was completely uh surprised by how uh, energetic and. And fun it is and it's it's just very entertaining all around I think that it's cool that you know we're getting this uh this movie you know in the middle of summer you know in the midst of all these big sequels and 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 comic book movies that you're used to seeing and I I think it's sort of a breath of fresh air that we are getting this uh movie that has a really cool concept and yeah it's something that that's been utilized before in other movies and other sci-fi movies, but the way that it's done here, I think is, uh, is really cool. And, um, kudos to whoever cut the trailer for not giving away everything, but, you know, just giving away just enough, uh, to really kind of draw you in. But, uh, like there were a lot of things that <clears throat> I didn't, wasn't expecting, uh, like from Tom Cruise's character that surprised me. Cause I thought the approach to, uh to to his character was was very interesting and it kind of turned the expectations of oh like tom cruise is always you know the big hero and you know kind of turned that on its head and uh i like that I, i think that movies that have you know that have our hero like be you know in fear and scared like they're always more relatable in a way, you know, and and, yeah. and uh mm-hmm. I thought that in a lesser movie the roles would be reversed, like where Tom Cruise would be like the badass like warrior dude and then Emily Blunt would be like, I'm a woman and I'm scared. <laughs> um Yeah, like I, I I was really glad that they they flipped that and that she was the like the badass warrior and he was the guy who was like uh, basically a pussy um
2: so <laughs> I, I feel like she's always has she ever played a role where she isn't the badass half of a duo uh, like i'm trying to think of her in romantic situations and she seems like she's always kind of a strong that's female true
0: because even
1: in the devil wears prada Very she was
0: badass <laughs> even in even in the five-year engagement
1: <laughs> yeah no exactly yeah. <laughs> she kind of has that like strong uh like, blunt attitude. Yeah, she has the blunt <laughs> yeah, attitude nice exactly.
0: <laughs> I, I will also say that like that is all straight from the book. Like in, in the um, in in all you need is kill, it's actually a bunch of Japanese soldiers, and she is the American special forces person who comes in to help with this uh, attack that is taking place. Um, so that it's not like this film specifically was like we're gonna switch this up and make it this way. Like that's direct out of the book.
1: Well, that's good, because I, I I think that for the movie, it translates well. Because, I mean, we're just, you know, for movie standards, we're used to seeing it the opposite way. Yeah. So, uh, I, I was very surprised by that. I, I like that approach. And, uh, you know, they do enough. They handle this concept very well. Like, I think that in lesser hands, it would have gotten, like, very repetitive. But here it's repetitive in like a fun way, you know. It's it's edited very well, and it it moves along very quickly, and we get like just enough repetition to where you know things become you know it's used as like jokes or or mm-hmm. it's used to you know further along the story. Uh, it, it's very very well done, and uh, I thought that uh, the way that you know everything is set up, like I thought, was really cool, like it's almost like deliberately slow in the beginning. So you can like catch all the stuff. And then, so when he dies and, you know, goes and relives it, you're like, Oh, okay. Like he's going to tell this guy like, Oh, you're so-and-so and you know, this is going to happen. And, uh, so the, there was like a lot of attention to detail. I thought, and a lot of care that, uh, went to, to putting this story on screen. And I mean, the performances are just really awesome. Like I, I don't. I've stated before, like I don't think I've ever disliked a Tom Cruise performance. Like I think he always gives like a hundred percent to every movie, um, even if the movie is not good. Like I have usually, I usually like him in it, uh, in whatever character he's playing. Because, I mean, he's just a presence. Like I, yeah. in the very opening scene of this movie, where he's talking to uh, Brendan Gleeson's character like there's just something about their their interaction like and, and the way that you know he walks in and and their conversation like there's just a reason this guy was you know born to be a movie star like i, I just he has like a natural screen presence and then you put in emily blunt who's also a, a good screen presence and you know she's basically being an even more badass character than she was in looper and uh yeah, she just totally owns this role. Like, I mean, she was she was in full-on, like, a uh, Ripley mode in this movie. Like, <laughs> it definitely was uh, a great character. And um, I thought, like, of course, I really loved all the, uh, like, all of the effects were, like, really well done. Like, I, I like that they combined, you know, the CG with a lot of, like, practical stuff. Like, I'm really glad that they made all the suits... Uh, actual suits like they they looked really cool like uh they kind of reminded me of like the the suits from like starship troopers mixed with like the the exosuit that uh matt damon had in elysium yeah like that's they kind of reminded me of that but like even more ridiculously big uh but yeah like and and the aliens too like the actual design of the aliens like usually like when we get aliens in movies these days they all look the same but here they like they had a different you know quality to them, and the fact that they moved insanely fast was uh, definitely inherently frightening. Like I don't think they were quite as frightening as like the drones in Oblivion. Like I think those were like very something about them were just like cold, calculated, serial killer esque. Uh, and here I think the design of the aliens weren't as cool as the design of the drones but they were still frightening because the fact that they move so fast like it, it was kind of like when you when i watched 28 days later you're like oh man like we're done if the zombies are yeah, that fast yeah. like and and in this movie it's the same way it's like yeah we're done if the aliens move this fast and that they can you know uh regenerate or you know relive the day and 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 can uh defeat us at our battles and stuff so uh yeah that was that was pretty cool and like uh I, now i don't know where i was going i guess i should kill myself and
0: start over killing ourselves and starting over in this episode <laughs> i think
1: but yeah the aliens were, were definitely cool like they 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 had like a, a unique design and um yeah and and, and how how Tom Cruise comes into the power of reliving each day was uh, also I'm glad that they didn't sort of spoil that in the trailers because I just figured it'd be like Groundhog Day where the it really, happens until he learns a valuable yeah, lesson. Yeah, like, it happens until he <laughs> figures out. Like, there's no real explanation other than you're an asshole and you need to learn how to be better. Like, that's all I was thinking of. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh badass movie like I I really hope that people see it but they apparently didn't want to go see it this weekend but uh, I I I thought it was a a very very entertaining film
0: all right Stephen what did you think
2: oh yeah so like I said before I might be in the minority report here but I found Oblivion (laughs) pretty vanilla Uh, I thought it was a reacher at best (laughs) but here I think the difference was night and day like making a time travel movie (laughs) is risky business (laughs) damn it's almost an impossible mission. Yes. Uh, but this one had all the right moves. Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to cram. I'm not going to cram anymore. Spend, I'm losing did you, it. Did you spend all
0: of uh, Carson's time mapping this out on paper? Yeah, like, he's like, like with- on
2: IMDb looking at all the movies. <laughs> or did you? I will neither confirm nor deny that you, that's what I was doing. I
0: have a feeling he spent the last week writing an algorithm that... Yes, took, exactly. Took and just combine the movies into sentences.
1: I mean, he really just took my far and away uh, jab and, and ran with it like no, Tom I mean, Cruise style. No, I that's when I started, uh, started making this sentence. You were,
2: you were running like Tom Cruise. <laughs> I know. I've got all the right moves. Yeah, you've got the need um, for speed. Anyway, all these movie puns aside, I, I really did think, like, when you mess with time travel it's more often than not going to frustrate me in a movie, probably Chris more so than me Um, (laughs) because I have this need for internal consistency and world building and blah, 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 all this stuff that is not always blockbuster material. Um, And this movie I thought totally handled it. Well, they managed to make a really like the groundhog day references are not an accident. I mean, the, The plot is very Groundhog Day-ish, but also the kind of lightness that it gives to it, and they make it a really fun premise. Uh, And I thought they did just a great job with that. And and with explaining how he gets this power, like, I was... When he woke up the first time, uh, having been reset, I was thinking, oh, great, how is this going to be explained? It's probably never going to be. He's going to learn something, blah, blah. It's going to be terrible. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just cynical when I go into a movie, I guess. Yeah. Um... And then when, when he talks to Emily Blunt and actually finds out how this works and what the confines are within which he has to operate, I think they just did a really, really good job with this. Um, honestly, none of the movie was boring as, as far as I'm concerned. It was all paced, like Carson said. It was edited really, really well. And the, uh, the lead performances, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, are just great um, Supporting characters were all totally fine too, though obviously nobody but these two people really matter too much in the movie. Yeah. Um, everything about it, yeah. Production quality was amazing. The the aliens, like Carson said, are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they do a thing where you can see them, you know. They they show the enemy, but they move so quickly and they're s- shrouded in such kind of uh, kind of mystery that you still keep the uh, the suspense alive with them
0: yeah
1: um he yeah they almost looked uh, like ghosts too which was also frightening yeah definitely and (sighs) when not looking like ghosts they looked like bushes which freaked me out they just blended into
2: everything (laughs) definitely freaked me out when i was driving by dried up bushes yesterday Um, (laughs) i'll I'll admit it i'll admit it minority report gave me nightmares when i was younger uh this this can too (laughs) but uh anyway it was I almost don't even know what to say. Like, it was really well done. It has very few flaws as far as I'm concerned. Uh, The one flaw I can point to is I think the third act doesn't quite live up to the first two. Um, Like, when you finally get the big payoff of, I I won't spoil it, but clearly this doesn't end with the world being destroyed. (laughs) I I think that's fair (laughs) enough to say. Uh, But when you do finally get to these climactic moments, they didn't, quite resonate with me the way that I felt like a movie this good building up to it should have. But that, that's a minor complaint. I mean, everything was really well done. I also thought the slowness and repetition toward the beginning, uh, it did a really good job of showing the kind of tiredness that he has to go through yeah. having lived... I don't know how many days he's supposed to have lived like this, but yeah. it felt like he must have lived years doing
0: this same thing. And yeah, they also <laughs> did an interesting thing too where you... You don't know whether what you're seeing is the first time he's done this or the fiftieth time he's done that yeah. particular scene, because uh, it, you know it's a scene will start and you're just assuming this is a new attempt. But then a character will reference something or he'll make a reference that sounds like, oh, I've already done this too. Um, yeah. And then there's there's a few times too where like he directly references the fact that he has no idea what's gonna happen because this is the first time he's tried this pattern of things. Uh-huh. Um, so they they definitely even in the repetition they're still mixing it up so that with each pass it feels like anything could happen because you don't know exactly whether you're with him or with the audience in that moment
2: definitely and i think the the third act especially and i won't go into spoilers but i still am not entirely sure what had been done before and hadn't been done before yeah uh and i just thought the conceit of that was very well executed and the uh the emotional aspect of the wear and tear that being a normal guy who has to live this day over and over and over again uh, the fact that they give him they give him an outlet uh, someone else who understands what he's going through like he has actually told them and they have some understanding first hand experience of it uh, i thought that actually added a lot to to the emotional beats of the film of, of the fact that he could actually discuss like look it's Pretty hard watching the same person die a hundred times. Yeah, um, and of course Tom Cruise, being a very good actor regardless of personal life, um, <laughs> he just totally nails that. I mean, his character has the intensity, but the uh, the sort of naivety of being not a soldier who's thrust into this. And I thought he emoted all of that perfectly. Yeah, um, I will say. So I saw this in IMAX 3D and. I don't think you have any need to see it like that. Uh, I think as a normal 2D regular screen flick, this would have been just as good. Uh, it's really, of course, it's visually stunning, but I thought most of it is in the, the plot and storyline and pacing. And uh, I don't think making it a massive, massive affair really helps it at all. But, but that's all minor. I mean, I really like this movie. Chris, how about you?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like this film a lot. I mean, I, I I would say I probably love this film. Um, obviously, I have the the ability to compare it to the book, um, but I think it I think it works. Like all the things they do change from from the book, I can tell, I I can tell where that decision came from, and like and I and I understand that like hey like this this couldn't have worked this way because in the book you're inside the character's head and you need some way to communicate um the difference between um certain things so like in you know in the story there are you know we'll just say some aliens that look a little bit different than other aliens you know in the book they look identical but the character himself comments on how one of them stood out for some reason that he can't really define and like They look, like, basically, he he specifically says, like, all the aliens look the same, but for some reason, this one stood out in my head and whatever. Um, So, like, there's things like that where it's like, well, obviously, that's you you can't communicate on screen, like, (laughs) the (laughs) the difference in the character's mind in perception that you can by simply changing the design of certain things to make them look different. Um, So, like, things like that don't, obviously, they don't bother me, and I, and I, I can see the decision... Um, behind it and like can kind of celebrate that away even in in the the fact of the alien designs which i agree with you guys are really awesome when i first read this book and i knew that it was going to be made into a movie my biggest fear was like there's no way they can get these aliens right at all even though in the book they're like you know in in district nine how they refer to them as prawns in this film a lot of people call them toads um Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of description given like the only description they get is that some people call them toads, and that they have four legs and a tail. And that's really all you get to describe them. And they shoot these javelin things that are like, they go like a bajillion feet per second, and they're really, really deadly. Um, So they kind of had free reign to do whatever they wanted with the design of the creatures. And when that first trailer came out and I saw, like, the thing jump out of the water and, like, flip up and twirl and spin and stuff, I was like, holy crap, like, they nailed this. This is exactly what they need to present. And what they did was really smart too because like the the book itself all you need is kill is not a PG13 Edge of Tomorrow movie it is hard R very violent like every like every fourth page there is a description of uh you know stuff pouring out of a body that was a mix of blood oil and some other unknown fluid and like it's just it's a very violent book to the to the to the to the standpoint that like like i was surprised that this movie was getting a PG-13 rating cuz so i was like this is like almost almost felt like tarantino needed to direct this to communicate the violence in the actual war aspect of the film um, but what they did is they made the aliens themselves so uh so quick moving and so scary that it communicated that violence whether or not you were seeing it on screen um so mm-hmm. definitely got to celebrate them for um Getting around the lack of showing blood and gore by just creating something that is so scary on its own that you kind of don't need to see the ramifications of an attack from one. You can just assume that it is correct. Um, like you guys were saying, um, the 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 um, the way they handle the time travel and stuff like that was was definitely fun. it was it was interesting in In the book, it's a little bit different because um, like mechanically, it's more like X Men: Days of Future Past, where at the point of somebody dying, this tachyon pulse is sent through time and communicates the the knowledge of the events that just 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 took place back to the receiving person, and then they continue on in that day with the knowledge of the previous events. Like it's it's a weird <laughs> it's a weird distinction, but it's not quite like boom. Now I'm back in time. It's like that day technically didn't happen, because now that I know how it will happen, I'll do something different, and it's this re- repeating pattern of how you that could go about. Does that distinction make di- sense as a difference to you guys?
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. um, I actually, I like the way that they did this. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. I was going to say unique, but then you pointed out that X-Men also did it, <laughs> so yeah. maybe not quite so unique.
0: Well, I, I think for me, like the, the the big thing that they they didn't do this wrong, but I I don't think they they did a good job of communicating it uh, as a strong enough point is that the the big conceit of this story is that because you have these suits, your skill and your ability is completely cognitive, it has nothing to do with your. It, it's basically. I mean, they, they
2: don't communicate that well. Yeah, they don't uh, I was actually thinking I was thinking during the movie a few times, okay, this can mentally you can be trained, but physically you still won't be. Uh and yeah, it would have been nice if they communicated that. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is actually the first time I recognized why that isn't the problem.
0: Yeah, because it, it's 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 essentially the the training room from The Matrix where you know Morpheus is like, Do you think that's air you're breathing? Like it, it's um your ability to fight has nothing to do with your muscles in this place. Like it is it, it like there's there's actually two. There there are in, in the book they describe there's a there's a computer chip limiter that puts a slight imperceptible delay in the the feedback you send the device and the movement it makes because you can actually throw a punch so strong it rips your spine in half and kills you. Uh, because mm-hmm. literally like I like I, I could get in this machine as not a, a like, I don't have a soldier's physique. <laughs> um, I don't, in... don't sell yourself short. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could get into one of these machines and do some serious damage because it's all the machine that does all the work. So you just have to know. So the big thing in All You Need Is Kill is that literally he can improve by leaps and bounds, um, not just in his mental willpower to be skilled, but he gets better with every single loop through this thing because it's like it's literally he has you know like a a million battles under his belt um so it's not just a i know how the enemy is going to react it's that i've killed so many of these by this point in time that i'm just that damn good and you know you you, you do kind of get moments like that in the film where like they're just Their skill is so much better than everybody else around them, and, you know, you get little training montages and stuff like that, but I don't think it really goes to the level of communicating that, like, yeah, like, this is literally like playing a video game. Like, if you go in and you buy the new Halo game or buy Titanfall, your first game is not going to be as good as the game you play you know six months from now when you've been playing for four hours every night and you're really good at it the the code running the game has not i mean they, they patch it and stuff but like for the most part the titan and your ability to shoot like code wise in the game are the same after that six month period but you have put in enough hours to increase your skill level so far above where you were that like you can't be matched again like by somebody who doesn't have that same amount of experience so I think they kind of don't spend enough time uh like really communicating that that is really why, you know, Cage as they call him in this film is, is, is becoming as good as he is because he's literally putting in the effort to become that good. Um mm-hmm. Which that doesn't change the overall story, but it definitely is one of those th- like themes in the story that it is a very interesting concept. Like it's, like I said, it you know, it borrows from the matrix. Um, but it's still a really cool kind of idea. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, was somebody about to say anything? Oh no,
2: I, not really. I mean, I was. So I don't think they explicitly communicate that that it's through training that he gets better and better and better. But it seems pretty clear. I don't think the movie makes it seem like he's only good in a situation where he has lived this moment before. Yeah, I, I think certainly things toward the end make it clear that he's supposed to have gotten pretty badass on his own (laughs) Yeah, yeah Regardless. Yeah, so I I I felt that even if they kept it as subtext Like they didn't make it explicit the way the book did
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: I thought it was pretty clear that like through all the training montages that he was getting significantly better I mean like that the one scene and I think it's in the trailer where he like runs around the uh that one mound where, like, all of his buddies are and just, just, like, taking out aliens and everyone's like, oh, isn't that the new guy? Like, er."
0: Yeah, well, there's a lot more of that in the book, obviously. And, like, one thing, too, is um, the the creatures are described as like, their skin is so thick and armor plated that, like, a normal like, everybody has sidearms in this movie but those sidearms would do, like, Those are really just for killing yourself so that you don't get, like, horribly destroyed because those aren't going to do anything. You basically have, like, a huge mounted weapon on one arm and you have this thing called the pile driver which shoots this rod at, like, a bajillion feet per second. And at close range, you just use the pile driver because that's the only thing that's going to penetrate their skin from far away. You can pick at them with this, like, big gun on your other arm. Um, And basically what happens is the uh, Rita and Cage... Uh, they switch to using melee weapons like in this film, you know, Rita is does have like a sword She kind of wields and swings around but in 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 the book there are these huge battle axes that are carved from the wings of planes and uh, The idea is that just like blunt force trauma being swung by this device that creates like so much like inertia that it can break through the armor of, of the actual mimics themselves are, like, the only weapon that really matters. So just, like, you just have scenes of the two of them walking into the battlefield and just battle-axing the crap out of mimics (laughs) repeatedly and just walking through while everybody else is, like, running around shooting and, like, dying. They're just, like, beating the crap out of these mimics. Um, And it's, like, you to get to that point, you really have to, like, key into the training aspect of it as opposed to just the, like, oh, I can aim better now than I could yesterday. Like, no, you have to be able to, like, anticipate the movement of the creatures and like all sorts of stuff that I don't know. It just it's an aspect that definitely wasn't delved into as deeply and one of the coolest parts about All You Need Is Kill. Make sense?
2: Uh yes. So one thing I'm curious, uh and you don't need to really go into detail, but I don't feel like the movie explained that well how he got in this situation. I mean it kind of it kind of shows him reporting talking to this general and then events transpire and he wakes up here but does the book make a little bit more of what kind of life he was living and why why he would be thrown into this situation In, in the uh, book
0: he is just a regular uh soldier so the book okay. starts with him waking up in his bunk while these other guys are talking, like his other soldier mates in his squad are on the other bunks talking. And uh he actually he he wakes up to somebody asking him to sign this waiver. Like there, there's some humor and stuff in in this um in in the book also. It's not just like totally like ah crazy stuff. But in the book they have this thing where like they'll raid these liquor cabinets in like the officers' quarters or something like that. And uh, before they go into battle, they have each person in their squad sign a confession that they were the ones who orchestrated the whole thing. So, anybody who dies, they take that signed note and turn that in so that the rest of them don't get in trouble. The person who died is the one that did it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, it opens with him waking up and somebody, like, hey, can you sign this? Um, And it's, like, he's already in the loop kind of when it starts. Like, basically, the battle starts and he kind of gets into the loop. There's not, like, a lot of how he got to where he is and why he's participating in the war. He's already a soldier. He just happens to be not that great a soldier at the beginning of the book.
1: So he's not like a PR guy for the military?
0: No, not at all.
1: Okay. But I I, I did I did appreciate the fact that they didn't really dwell at all about uh, previous events. They kind of just jumped right in and was like, okay, shit's bad. And then... Um, yeah, I guess, I guess in terms of seeing it play out on screen, it would make more sense that he's the character who he is in the movie and he's sort of thrust into a situation that he's not used to at all.
0: And, and I think, I think you know, earlier I was talking about how I appreciate the changes that they made and, and the decisions behind them. And I think what that was for is because, simply because they wanted to communicate his skill level from the beginning and communicate what exactly is happening on a global scale Yeah, um, all in that opening scene. And that, that kind of allows them to do that. In the book, you start from like the night before the wars, the, the, the big battles are going to happen. And a few sections into the book, you actually get a chapter that is all about backstory of, of what exactly is going on and what started this all and, and how everything originated. So the in a book, you know, you can kind of bounce around more freely and, and you're not going to be lost because the book starts with action and starts with craziness and it builds it up the way the, you know, the author cared about presenting that information. But in a movie, you know, you kind of have to, you know, do the shorthand to get everybody caught up on exactly what's going on. And that, you know, having the intro start like that was an easy way to do that. Um, and I don't necessarily mean easy in a cop-out way. I just mean that it was... It, it made it convenient to like, you know, kill a few birds with a single stone um mm-hmm. and do it that way. Yeah. Um so one question for you guys, which I can't I, I we it might we might uh need to have a little spoilery conversation to delve into it a little bit deeper, but um were you guys put off at all by the ending?
2: You mean the very, very
0: ending. The very, very ending, um. yes.
2: <sighs> Slight well I I didn't entirely understand it um but i wouldn't I wasn't put off by it no i i, I just felt like, oh, this is something I should ask Chris about when, <laughs> when we talk
0: <laughs> well uh we probably should have a little spoiler section then because I definitely really hated the ending, and I think that even if I try to uh piece it together into what I thought they were going for, I think it still doesn't make sense um so, yeah, I was just curious because in both when both you guys were describing what you thought of the film, neither of you said like, "Oh, it was really awesome up until the end." So that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. I mean, I up. did
2: say it faltered in the third act, but it wasn't. It it wasn't like the the precise way it ended bothered me so much as it just that was the one part where I didn't feel like I was completely tracking what was happening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in in the movie. Carson.
1: i i i didn't have a problem with how it ended uh did i fully understand it no not really but uh i i definitely think that there are events that happened in the third act that i think raised the stakes pretty well um but uh yeah i know i didn't have a problem with it like i even if it doesn't completely make any sense um I don't think I still would have, like, I still think it's fine because I don't think that it's uh, something that so drastically changes the movie or or at least my opinion of the movie. I don't think it's like it completely
0: ruins it. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I definitely don't think it does either. It's just it's one of those things where I was kind of like, what? I, I saw this with my roommate and like the first thing we talked about when we got back to the car was that scene and what the hell was going on there.
2: Yeah. So maybe, maybe we should jump to spoilers soon because I, I am curious about that scene
0: All or right. if you have any idea what it's supposed to be. Well, like I said, I think I know what they thought it was supposed to be, but even like if, if I'm correct, I still have the complaint that that doesn't make sense because of mm-hmm. X. Um, so it's like, I, I think I see what they were going for, but I think they messed it up, <laughs> mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, does anybody have any regular non-spoilery comments to say about the film?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I think I'm in this rare, rare case where the movie was just flat out good, <laughs> uh, so I can't, I can't pinpoint too much about it. Like, it's just worth seeing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, I just 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 echo what you guys said too. I didn't say anything specifically about Emily Blunt. I thought she was fantastic and like perfect in uh the role of of uh, Rita like she um when they first announced her as the casting I like I kind of was like hmm I I don't know if that was the best decision but then like the first time I saw her in the role I was like oh no this totally this totally works and having seen the film um I thought she was perfectly cast uh, had an awesome performance and um definitely uh balanced that like super badass yet very like feminine and attractive at the same time kind of thing uh in a in a very interesting way so
2: hmm. though it would have been interesting to see like a Rooney mara play play this character <laughs> <laughs> a girl with the dragon tattoo type uh type situation. still in all of the
0: girl with the dragon tattoo makeup and piercings and stuff yeah yeah Which actually probably would have fit, too, with just the world as a whole, like with the rest of the people in his squad. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, would have. All right, so uh, should we just get on to our verdicts then, guys? Sure. Uh, Sure. All right, Carson, if you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
1: Uh, I would easily give it a must-see... And I just thought of something uh, that I, I will echo what... St- I think Steven mentioned something about the, the exposition, uh, which I thought was handled really well. Like, I thought it was all necessary to move the plot along, and it wasn't just, you know, all dialogue. Uh, or it wasn't like every line of dialogue was all exposition. Um, it, it, it felt natural to the story. It wasn't just everything was explaining everything so
2: yeah yeah i think it was a very tight tight script in that it revealed enough where you understand you know this is the situation these are the aliens these are the rules by which we're governed uh and i think it revealed it at the right pace um where you can it, it leaves you questioning for a little while like you don't feel like someone is just playing a star wars style like paragraph at the beginning of the movie to to tell you what's going on um yeah i thought they handled that really well
1: yeah so i've definitely given a a must see
0: cool steven
2: Uh, i'll echo carson and i think this is one of my first of the year uh, must sees um i was almost tempted to give a caveat because i did think the ending was a little more flat not the very very ending to me it was just the the final like 30 (laughs) minutes or something yeah, yeah, exactly, but honestly, it's a minor complaint. I think this movie—I have a lot of trouble imagining any of you would not enjoy it if you watched it. Uh, if so, it would be interesting to hear, because I can't poke too many holes in it. So yeah, easy must-see for me.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a must-see for me also. I think really the I mean, besides the end ending, like the you know the the post post boss battle ending um sort of like the epilogue of the film is really the only thing i can legitimately complain about everything else is more uh you know more book reader talking about like this was still awesome but not as awesome as it could have been type type of conversation um so there's nothing really to be disappointed in the film by save for that little epilogue um but yeah i mean it's 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 a great ride it's um, definitely, uh, yeah. It's, it's just I, I I find it hard for somebody to go see this and not have fun in it and not be wowed by at least some of of the scenes. Like it's it's definitely got a good mix of comedy and and crazy action awesomeness all throughout. I, I I don't know how many times I said awesome in that sentence, but um, people should definitely be going to the theaters and checking this out, especially because it feels like it's not. Tracking that crazily, like I don't, I know some people who are interested in seeing it, but it wasn't like one of those things where everybody's like, "Oh, dude, Edge of Tomorrow comes out this week." Yeah, so. no, it
1: didn't have a huge, huge opening. I don't think. No, it relatively it, it came in at like number three.
0: Uh, Is Maleficent still beating it?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Maleficent was two. Uh, yeah, it hurts me so much. <laughs> you know what? That's what ha- you know what. You didn't. Tom Cruise didn't have cancer, and he wasn't in love with Emily Blunt, so. Therefore, teen girls didn't want to go watch it.
2: Are are you saying The Fault in Our Stars beat it?
1: Yeah, dude. It made like 50 million this weekend. Crazy. Jeez.
0: Oy vey. But anyways, um, (laughs) we're not here to talk about The Fault in Our Stars. We're here to talk about The Fault in Our Military Forces as they try to fight against aliens. Um, (laughs) So. Right. (laughs) So what we're going to do, as we tend to do sometimes, is we're going to finish wrapping up this show. Music's going to swell. When the music fades out, we're going to enter into spoiler territory. So Carson, why don't you tell people where they can find you throughout the week if they'd like to do that?
1: Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com.
0: Steven? You
2: can go to sdavidmiller.com or twitter.com sdavidmiller.
0: People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast at com, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. You can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning to figure out when these episodes go live. Or you can also like us at Facebook.com slash spoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at com. You can use the form on our website at SpoilerWarning.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode comes from the soundtrack to Edge of Tomorrow. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, like we said, in a few moments we're going to start Spoiler Territory. So if you're not sticking with us for that, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you go out and see this movie and enjoy that. And uh, for the rest of you, we will see you in just a moment. Okay, so we are here now in spoiler territory. You can assume that anything said after these words is going to be big old spoilery talk for um, the ending of this film and maybe even some other moments strewn throughout. Uh, But yes, before I go into what I thought about what was happening at the very, very, very ending of this film, why don't we each go around and kind of state what... We thought, or if we just didn't care and didn't try to process what they thought was going on. So, Carson, what did you think was happening there?
1: Uh, I honestly have no fucking clue. Um, (laughs) uh, I just was like, this movie was awesome. Uh, I think my my erection was too hard, and I just didn't care.
2: Um, You you gotta be careful. If you lose blood, then you uh,
1: (laughs) you don't keep
0: the the ability. Yes, I was too,
1: too, too to oh, mess to care. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, right now, only my penis can go back and talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that would be the, that would be tip of tomorrow, not the edge. Um, uh, oh, God. Uh. I, I just figured that I was confused because when he, okay, so he dies but he kills the the hive or whatever, the mothership, and um, the the goo or the, the alpha goo, uh,
0: the alpha <laughs> the, blood. The drip of tomorrow.
1: The drip, yeah. yeah the ooze, like, it uh, got into him, so then it clearly uh, <laughs> reset him. But he reset further back. Like, it was, like, a day before uh, he was used to resetting. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, okay, and then, uh, from what I understand, is that they already knew about the uh, the hive being at the uh, the bottom of the Louvre. Um, from that little uh, TV clip we get of Brendan Gleason saying like something about uh, they've detected like heat signals underneath Paris or something. There was like a, a power surge. Yeah, power uh-huh. surge. Yeah. Um, so then that got me thinking. Well, okay, so they kind of already know that now we have the, the upper hand. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like, and then he goes to see Emily Blunt and I was just like, okay, I guess he's laughing because it's just same old, same old with, uh, the full metal bitch. I don't know. Like, I, so I'm clearly just dumb and don't know,
0: but, um, uh, all right, well, well, Steven, do you have any more to bring to the table?
1: I mean,
2: not a whole lot. I was again the thing that I did not understand. The main thing that threw me through a loop is that he went back in time a day earlier than he normally does. Yeah. uh Um, and I was trying right now to justify why, and I was thinking, well, this did take place at night. This Paris scene, which means, was it supposed to be the evening before, and that's why he gets an extra twenty-four hours. But it doesn't because it shows Bill Paxton like wondering where the soldiers are in the morning. So it's clearly the same day that this is happening. Yeah. yeah. So why does he get an extra bump? In his powers. Maybe because
1: he got more goo in him
2: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah maybe it's quantity of goo I don't, I don't think so they Equals, don't really discuss equals the goo to how dynamics. many days you get to go reset No they don't discuss the Alpha Jizz dynamics
1: too much <laughs> That's, so I'm not right. Wait, Do we need like a An Ehrlich uh, algorithm f- Like the how yeah. they did at the end of Silicon Valley uh, For and the it, goo it, ratio
2: It was also yeah okay. So he gets the goo which means he gets to reset the day But if he resets the day then it, it didn't happen Like what, what he just did didn't happen anymore. No. So why is it that now he can reset the day, but the change has taken effect? Is it because this brain is like a space time thing and it, it isn't bound to that one time. If you kill it in any timeline that it's gone forever. I, I, that's what I didn't understand. And maybe like
1: the, the power surge was him killing it. And then, like, in an alternate timeline, they detected it. I don't know.
0: Well, let, let me let me break down what we know from the film as fact, and then I will go into taking some of the stuff from the book and feeding it into this. Because, first of all, the book ends completely differently. Um, they're in in the... So, going... Okay, so, a little bit of information before I try to go into the information the film has. So, in the book, there aren't... Uh, there aren't regular mimics, uh, an Alpha Mimic, and an Omega Mimic. The way it works is there are mimics. Some of the mimics are uh, referred to as satellites, and some are referred to as servers. So, mm-hmm. there, it, it's not completely explained, it's still a little bit ambiguous, but essentially, when you kill a server, it releases that tachyon pulse, which is transferred back to... Um, uh, Through the satellites Into the past To where it's received Before the events take place And then they make different decisions At that point So mm-hmm. the Mimics might attack a location We nuke them And they all die But that signal gets sent back Relayed through the satellites And um, received before the attack ever starts And they make a different decision And so We're actually seeing Days of Future Past style alternate events taking place that technically aren't. So the 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 failed attack never takes place because they made a better. Just a hypothetical, huh?
2: It's just a hypothetical that you get to to watch basically. Yeah, yeah. So
0: they they receive the knowledge of how it ends before they do it. So, um, that so in in the book, um they start to realize that, okay, so we have to kill the equivalent of the Omega, which is the server. But before we can kill the server, we have to take out all the satellites so they can't relay that signal back. And then if you... So if you kill a bunch of mimics, kill all the satellites, and then kill that server last, there is nowhere um, for that signal to be relayed off into the past and mm-hmm. you end the loop yourself. So they, the, the whole blood dynamic in this film is something completely invented for this story and done like in and to to their credit they create a really interesting high stakes moment where you realize that there's a chance that if you don't die you can end up losing um this ability which um i applaud them for because that added a really interesting uh, uh aspect to like you said that the uh steven you were talking about how that 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 third act um kind of slowed things down and while the events taking place in the scene were slowed down a bit i think the stakes are still raised because you know at that point that he can't actually loop um that Mm -hmm. if he fails like it's failed for good um so i thought that there was a good balance between um the stakes versus the actual event itself being less intriguing
1: and that's what i was referring to when i said that the the stakes were uh, raised considerably in the third act
0: yeah yeah is that yeah, when def- he
1: definitely. And yeah
2: and i can't put my finger on what i mean when i say it slowed down it isn't that like i needed the action to be cranked up to 11 or something it, it's more just that we've been watching him relive the same thing and incrementally improve on the mission and then all of a sudden it becomes wildly different and something about that the scenes in Paris where he's doing these things—the action—it just didn't quite click for me. I, I don't know how to explain it. It felt like a different movie almost. Yeah. Um, or like, look, we need a big, grand finale, but it, it didn't live up to how tightly executed the rest had been. Yeah. But 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 that was a minor minor issue. It I but, definitely but like even,
0: even that story-wise. Technically, all that other stuff was only executed so tightly because they did it so many times. Right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's e- true. even there's a, there's a story excuse for why that all felt so tight. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, so let, let, let me get back to this, this ending of how, how the movie's playing out. So what we know based on his first interactions with the people talking about what Rita had done is that there was some big battle that was taking place in Verdun and much like in you know Independence Day, once they take down that first ship, they can communicate to everybody else to go, hey, we know how to bring these guys down now, start this massive attack everywhere else. So the battle that Tom Cruise is taking part in for the first time is a battle that is happening because of this minor victory they had over in Verdun. So mm-hmm. um, the way I am interpreting what what they were trying to communicate with the film is that we start this battle on this beach, um, and the first time we attack, theoretically it goes not necessarily great, but, you know, there, there, there's a chance that we somehow could have actually done some damage to the mimics. So the mimics, using their mimic ability, reset that and set up an ambush for us to attack. When we do this ambush is when Tom Cruise first gets the ability, hijack, he hijacks, he hijacks that power. And uh, mm-hmm. he then starts a new set of loops. When they go and kill the Omega, my assumption is what they're trying to communicate is that it resets to the first loop. Um, so to right before... So basically it takes it back as far as they've started record- recording. So if you think of this in, in uh, Sands of Time standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, it empties out all the sand in the dagger and takes them back to the furthest part it can, furthest part it can, which is, in book terminology, 30 hours before the first time the loop started, um, which would be the night before when he first is arriving in the UK. Um, so, my understanding from this presentation is that there will be no loops after that loop takes place because it's reset before loops could be a thing. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this, like, so th- that's what I think they're going for, which, you know, so he's meeting her for the first time in her head, and he's going to go like, hey, we did it. You know, everything after the credits is like, hey, we did it. We've ended the loops. We killed the Omega. Um, now we can go win this war because we're super badass, and let's go kill him. Like, that's what they're trying to do at the end of the film. The problem is that the battle that he reset to is the battle that takes place after the Battle of Verdun which they have established, is when uh, Rita was looping. So theoretically, if killing the Omega reset to the first time the Omega looped in the first place, it should take us back to before Rita's first battle, when she killed the Alpha and gained the power of the Omega. Make sense?
2: I I think so. I, I guess you're putting a logic to it that I didn't feel. The The closest I felt was that because this was a bigger explosion,
1: <laughs> it went back further. Yeah, man, he got more goo, so therefore more uh, more days going well, back. See, the they, they,
0: they established that when the Alpha dies, the Omega sends the signal. Yeah. So theoretically, regardless of how much goo he falls into, the omega should always have its full ability to reset its own alpha that distance um Mm -hmm. so i don't think that there's anything in their rules that would explain that the alpha or the omega has power any greater than that
2: well and i also don't so i i understand that but i don't know why there's nothing plot wise that required him to go back an extra 24 hours um like why did they do it 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 would make perfect sense to me if he woke up in the military barracks like every other day and then things have changed like it it feels like they did this wonky thing with time unnecessarily like it didn't further anything script-wise uh which was kind of the strange aspect of the decision to me
0: actually you know what i just realized what it was i figured it out Mm -hmm. um so, you know, we're already in spoiler territory. So, full blown spoilers for the film. At the beginning of this, uh, you know, Colonel Gleason asks him to rally the troops for, like, basically do this big PR push to teach all the troops that this war is necessary and we have to do it and you should all volunteer and enlist so that we can kill these bad guys. Instead, he tries to blackmail them. He gets labeled as a traitor and gets forcefully put into this. Uh, troop regiment um, So If they reverse to before He was labeled a traitor Then now the badass version of him Can actually go out and accomplish the PR stuff And become the The big rallying force That gets everybody to fight behind him um, So The uh, It sounds to me like they did it because the script <laughs> Okay <laughs> Like it seems like the, what they wanted to do Is re- like they had to make him become a soldier from being this PR guy, and they do that by destroying his character and making him the type of person that nobody would rally behind, so they reversed it far enough back that, in theory, he could be this awesome soldier that, that you know, the guy wanted him to be in the first place. Um, okay,
2: but, but I guess even more, so going back to the mechanism of, this is kind of like the inverse grandmother problem or grandfather problem. Where now, in the future, he kills this Omega, this server. And I still don't understand why, if if the server, the only thing this can do is use tachyons to send a signal back in time, why does this retroactively destroy server from two days ago?
0: Well, I actually like, like
2: what what in the dynamics of the book or the movie would allow this to happen.
0: In so in in the so in the book so okay first of all you guys make a call. I I've tried to explain mechanics of the book but there's a pretty badass revelation at the end of the book that happens. Um so you guys make the call whether I should Just spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't care. Okay, well For the next 30 seconds, 45 seconds, for the next minute, if you are planning on reading this book and you don't want to be spoiled, then uh, mute this or skip forward about a minute or so. Um, So, starting now. Um, Basically, in the book, uh, they go around and they kill everything and they're they're pretty much like, okay, I think we have accomplished it. And then Rita starts attacking Cage, or Kiji as he's called in the book, because... He's actually Japanese, and the Americans (laughs) just think it's pronounced cage, but it's... Anyways, uh, so she just starts attacking him, and he realizes that when he took over the power, he became one of the antennas, so as long as both of them are still alive, time can still reset, so he has to fight her because she's trying to kill him, because she's trying to end the loop, and he ends up killing her. And there's nothing to be able to send the signal back now. So he persists from that moment forward as the, I forget what the Americans label him, but, you know, she, she was the, um, uh, the full metal bitch and she wore red armor because she wanted to stand out on the battlefield because she wanted everything to fight her because then she mm-hmm. could just kick the shit out of everything. So he ends up painting his suit sky blue because that was, like, her favorite color. And from that point forward, he goes off to keep fighting the the war as, like, the Rage Cage or whatever big. the hell he's supposed to be known as. <laughs> um, So there is no porting back to before an event t- takes place one last time in the book. It's just, though, we've done it. There will no longer be any loops. Now let's go kill these mimics. Like, that's right. sor- sort of the 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 way the book handles it so it still has that like there's lots to follow this moment type of ending but it's more of a we've ended the cycle now let's win the war um, yeah and
2: that's how i would have expected it to happen yeah so
0: I, I i think that what they were just trying they were trying to borrow the same kind of thing but reset uh, really what it comes down give to it a happy is they, they didn't want uh they didn't want emily blunt's character to get killed yeah Mm -hmm. so they reverse time so that they can be together and alive um yeah if that makes sense
1: and that in the very end she does not remember who he was i'm assuming
0: she doesn't but all he had okay so so that's another thing so in the
2: book (laughs) oh why doesn't he ever say her middle name by the way i thought he was supposed to say that they set that up so perfectly for him to walk up and say like Your middle name is Rose. Yeah. And
0: it never happens. What's really funny too is, you know the scene in the movie where uh, she's stealing his battery pack? Yeah. Um, Well, in the book, the first time he meets her, he's like laying face down on the ground and she touches, like they have these things where you can, because their suits are more enclosed, I guess. And you can put your hand on somebody's shoulder and it activates a comm so you can talk into their helmet. Um, So that way, if you're not already on their frequency, you can just like give them an immediate communication. And she asks him whether uh, green tea is actually served for free at the end of meals in like Asian restaurants. Um, and uh, when he first meets her after going back through a loop, she's like, oh, do I have something in my face? What the hell do you want? And he's like, oh, I have an answer to your question. And she's like, what question? And he goes, yes, green tea is served at the end of our meals in Asian restaurants or whatever. And then she breaks into tears because she knows for the first time that that's a person who is experiencing because what she experienced and that for the first time she can actually talk to him uh, like it's something that she's kept to herself because that's nobody would understand it or get it and for the first time she's met somebody so like when they introduced this whole middle name rose thing i was like okay so that's what they're gonna do since they're clearly not going the green tea route Um, (laughs) yeah but then they didn't use it so i was
1: like what the hell (laughs) why did you not use that yeah it seemed it seemed seem weird that they they set it up and didn't use it,
0: so maybe that was like what well, but like when they fit, what when they cut the black in the in the credit start roll, maybe that's when he actually says it
2: maybe I, assumed. Yeah. I I just knew I thought it was gonna happen. I was so sure he was gonna say it,
1: yeah, but he kind of smiled, so maybe he knew like yeah, that was a, us supposed to be putting two and two together like oh, he's
0: got her now, he's gonna impress her, I don't know. You should have like strown up on a boat and then can be like, get on board. And she's like, I don't even know you. And he's like, Get on the boat, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> does anybody have any other last comments or questions?
1: Uh, no, I guess not. I nope. guess we're all explained now, even though it's still somewhat well, confusing.
2: We're explained why they wanted it to happen. <laughs> we're not explained like that. It makes any sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, but I mean, it, it certainly didn't. It didn't hurt the movie too much for me. It, no. It's like the very end. It's the epilogue. It's like saying the, the Harry Potter epilogue hurts it. Like right. Yeah. yeah. yeah just, just ignore it. Nah, he just went home. <laughs> I, I think. Or that, like, scrub
1: season nine destroys their ass. Just oh. pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> just pretend. Yeah. There, there well, is- I, I think the general gist is that you know they win. They they get the upper hand and that Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt live happily uh, are after. reunited
0: <laughs> reunited. But I, I will say there there is one. I was I was hoping they were gonna keep it in the movie, but they didn't. Um, there is this one hilarious uh, like time related joke in the book to where uh, one of his bunkmates in his squad uh, sees that he's reading this mystery novel that he can't finish because he's you know like too busy because they're in the middle of a war, um, but. This buddy of his keeps spoiling the like the secret of this mystery novel, and there's a chapter that starts with him waking up and just shooting that guy, and then it skips to the next chapter. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Like I, that's that's a good a good little gag. It's just, Cause he just wakes up, he's like, yeah, screw this guy, <laughs> and then starts the <laughs> next day. <laughs> nice. But anyways, that's this review. Thank you guys for joining me.
1: Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, well, we've been tomorrowed.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, we have.
1: I just realized
2: by the way that Emily Blunt was in this and Looper. I don't know why I didn't think about that before. Yeah. <laughs> but two like two extremely time travel heavy movies. Yeah. Uh, I I said I
1: said Loosh, Looper too. Like I said Yeah, no, I know, yeah. I know. I I thought about Looper. I just well, you, she you were was too in... busy trying to connect all the puns. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about you. Uh, yeah, I wasn't listening.
2: <laughs> I didn't even use a couple puns. I had a uh... <sighs> All oh, I said t- you, Tom Cruise was great but there were a few good men in this movie I didn't <laughs> I didn't cram that one in <laughs> but you know